Good morning, good morning. I want to welcome everybody today for coming and being a part of what the Father is doing right here at the Rock of Central Florida. We have a little bit of a crowd this morning, and um, this is our soft opening, so uh, I, I'm going to pretend like uh, if there's not six feet between everybody, I'm, I'm going to just look at the screen, the camera, and then I'll never know. But, um, wow, that I love, love love the songs and the worship that we sing and to say to say come right he comes rushing in is an understatement i mean he literally transforms who we are amen so i bless you today i thank you for being here those of you that are in-house those of you that are watching online and live streaming today wherever you're watching from i want you to know how much of a joy and a privilege and honor We uh, believe that it is for you to join with us. For us, it is such a it is an honor for us to know that you trust us enough to tune in from wherever you are at and to take the time. Some of you invite your family, and you let us know later that there are many of you that are gathered in a single room and you're watching us. We want you to know that you are as much a part of what God is doing at the Rock of Central Florida within the walls of this building as as the people that are gathered here today. And we're so thankful that you are online with us today, and bless you. I want to bring your attention to uh, something that you can do to be included, uh, even if you can't be heard. Uh, there's a chat room to the, either the right of your screen or below your screen as you watch today. I invite you to join in. I invite you to chat, uh, make comments. If you have questions, and if we have time at the end, we might address a few of those. Uh, Just insert those into that chat, and uh, we'll make note of those and then come back around to them if we have time. If we can't do it live, we'll do it uh, sometime this week. We'll respond to those for you. But again, I want to thank you for watching from wherever you are. Trust that you're well, and declare that today for you in this time that we're gathered will change you as much as we know it's going to change us. It is such uh, a joy today to, to be able to have with us some very good friends of mine and my wife's, we've known them almost 30 years. It's hard, it's hard to believe, but we have known them almost 30 years. And most of those years, we have been pretty close. Uh, we stay in touch with each other, communicate regularly, weekly. And uh, it is a joy today. And I'm going to ask all of you, whether you're online or in this room, would you welcome with me today, Pastors George and Suzanne Brantley. Would you stand and let's welcome them correctly today. Now that we've embarrassed them, honestly, they have their own house. They have an amazing ministry in Gainesville, just north of here. It's a phenomenal ministry. And the Gators, that's right. uh, But they have an amazing ministry there. And to have them here with us, is my mic, can you all hear me? Is it going in and out? Do I need something different? Check one, two, testing one, two. If you're watching online today... Little technical difficulties. It's all good. If you're visiting with us today, we want you to know how blessed that we are that you've come to be a part of what the Father's doing in here. I know that we have some that have returned today. We want you to know, again, you're special. 
And we are special in all the right ways. And we're so thankful (laughs) that you're present here with us. And uh, blessed to have you. So, and those of you that we haven't seen in a long time, oh my goodness, Cynthia, so good to see you. I'm glad you're back from the Solomon Islands. We love you. Appreciate what you do over there and that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Is it, do we have an issue with it? All right, we're switching out. Time out. Time out, everybody. Check, check. Oh, wow, I'm going to just talk while he's off. Hey, this is awesome. Welcome. Go Gators. Hey, I want to say thank you. Uh, that song we were singing a minute ago. Shoot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I cry a lot these days. It's, it's 63 or something. I don't know. But that song, uh, the word, I looked up and saw that word that Kaylee had penned. Um, he sustained me. It's become my my word over the last six and a half months, the prayers of the righteous um, have sustained me and strengthened me, helped me. And uh, uh, the, the power of prayer, the power of intercession, um, there's no walls, there's no limit to walls or distance or anything else. And, and um, most of you know that I'm battling cancer and... Um, I was diagnosed last November right after returning home from China, and uh, it's been a battle that Suzanne and I never thought we would, uh, I never thought, I never dreamed that I would ever be in this battle, but um, I know that it has been the prayers of the righteous that have sustained me and um, kept me and helped me through this. Uh, I was diagnosed with an incurable disease called multiple myeloma and um, the prayers uh, literally of friends all over the world uh, from China to Honduras to Cuba to Jamaica to Uganda Africa uh, to Central Florida uh, have sustained me and um, I uh, am amazed at the goodness of God I have my battles I face them every day Um, but that that pressing into the goodness of God uh, over the last six and a half months, I've only preached twice. And so uh, after 30, uh, almost three years of pastoring the Rock of Gainesville, my time in the presence of the Lord is not to get a message. <laughs> it's just just to know him in the fullness of his power, the glory of his resurrection. And... Um, and when you, when, you, when you get hungry for God like that, he shows up. And I just uh, want to thank all of you here uh, because I know you pray for me, and I, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So I'm going to stop crying. I'm going to just let Suzanne talk. Suzanne, would you like to greet Yes, I would. I, I just want to say I'm a little overwhelmed right now. This is our first time having church with people in a long time. And I didn't realize, uh, I mean, I did realize it because I was thinking, I, I always call myself a church girl because I love the church. I love God's house. I love God's people. And I crave it. And um, so being with you in worship this morning, all together, 
I ha- when we were invited, I had no idea you were going to be here. So um, it's, it's been so already so refreshing. And that song, The Oil of Joy, for mourning. And um, we have been a, in at times, and we are, in a place of mourning. But I love those grace moments when the oil of joy <laughs> comes in. And it's that healing balm for my soul and my spirit. And um, I, I'm just, it's been, it's been a very different time for all of us. And here we were going through what he's going through together. And then, I call it Rona, showed up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, what else? Um, but God knows, God knew And God knew that we were going to come out stronger and that the church was going to shine brighter and that he's kind of setting the reset button for our lives to some degree so that, like like George just said, I'm in his presence not because I need to get a word because I need to preach on Sunday. I'm in his presence because I'm desperate for him. And I think that's happening in all of our lives, and I think our priorities are... God is lining our priorities back up. So we say, Lord, I didn't realize how much I loved your house. I loved it, but now I really know I love it. I miss the gathering of the saints so much. I will not take it for granted. Lord, remind me of this. Every time I start to take for granted are times that we gather together. The times that we can gather together and pray instead of saying, I'm just a little too tired to go and pray. We're like, I'm so glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I'm praying that this really brings the revival we've all been craving. We've we've had it in our hearts at times, but I want it to spread like wildfire over our nation and over our world. And I'm just, you know, I, like we say, we just believe that all things work together for good. And the spite, in fact, I believe in the hard times is when God's working the most. And um, so I'm thankful for that. Thankful to be with you. Um, I, I feel very humbled. <laughs> like, what am I doing up here? Um, but I'm just very, very blessed and, and honored. <laughs> and, and our church doesn't know we're here, so... <laughs> I haven't preached at home in but twice in six months, so I was like this morning thinking, should I send them a video? Nah, we'll just let them forgive us after they find out. So you only have, you only have to listen to it for about ten minutes. We're still having issues. Hold on, we got to get this fixed. You only have to hear them for ten minutes, ten just a few seconds, and you understand why it's so easy to love them. Don't you, don't you see why it's so easy to love? Come on, give it up for Pastor George and Suzanne again. Kim and, I, Kim and I have loved them. They've been such an incredible part of our lives, all of my children's lives, all of our lives, all of the life of the Rock of Central Florida. Um, they have been very supportive in, in a thousand and ten ways. And, and uh, so good to have both of you here with us today. Love it. I know I threw it on you. And, um, and it's amazing. But you said something, Suzanne. Well, let me come back to what you said a moment ago. You said, I'm a church girl. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Don't let me forget, because I, I want to speak to that. Um, 
Today, this is kind of left field, but if you noticed, I'm wearing a shirt that says experience different. Uh, there's one for everybody. So before you leave today, there's, there's t-shirts out in the lobby. We're giving them to everybody that's present today. Uh, just tell them your size. If, you're, if you don't want to tell them, write it on a note and hand it to them. And, uh, but they'll get you the shirt before you go. And then very quickly, I need everybody, whether you're in here or online, next month we're going to have another shirt. And if you notice on the back, it says, follow me to the rock, the rock of CF. It's great advertisement. You help us get the word out, uh, and you don't even have to say a lot if, if you're not able to. Um, but next month, I'm going to do one of two shirts. It will either say, it's practical, follow me to the rock, or worth the cost, follow me to the rock. You can write on the chat, vote which one you would like online, and here you can write it on a card, and whichever one wins, that's what we're getting. So if you like it, it's your fault. If you don't like it, it's your fault. All right? <laughs> So, again, I, wanna, I want to say to what Suzanne, uh, Pastor Suzanne said just a moment ago. Um, she said, I'm a church girl, and, and we're in the middle of a series right now that's called For the Love of God. And each week, we've had a panel that has been seated with me, and we've gone over different subjects, uh, extraordinary things that we do uh, for the love of God, and we've talked about these things. It's been amazing. It's been actually incredible. We've learned a lot about one another and those that have been here with me. Uh, the subject this week is the cost. What does it cost us because of our love for God? And, and there is an associated cost with loving God. It may not look exactly like it sounds, but there is an associated cost. And, and we're going to discuss those today. And I'm, as I'm seated here, with Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, they've been in ministry for a lot longer than me. And I meant that kindly. But um, they've been in ministry We're longer, <laughs> longer than, than I have. And so because of that, there's been a lot of experiences they've had that I've not. And we're going to address that in a moment. Um, but uh, again, I want to get back to what Pastor Suzanne said. But I want to say this. This week I was, I was talking to my wife, and it's remarkable to me sometimes uh, what we do for someone just because we love them. And I think all of us have experienced moments, man, I love them so much, I would just this. So my wife this week, maybe Monday, I was sitting on the sofa, just gotten home from the office, and my wife came home, and, and she said, "Hun," she said, um, I want to run to Publix and get something would you go to Publix with me? Well, I'd, I'd already changed. I was relaxed. I'm petting the dog. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm just enjoying my... And I said, honey, I would go to the end of the world for you, but I will not go to Publix. <laughs> but I did. I did go to Publix and, uh, with her. And so when I think of this and, and the things that we do, I want to ask you a quick question that's leading up to what Pastor Suzanne said. Do we, do you ever find that we live out that same scenario sometimes with God? God, I would go to the end of the world for you. I love you so much. There is nothing I wouldn't do for you, but I won't go to Publix. <laughs> do we ever see that kind of unfolding a little bit in our lives? Because really, even with God, I mean, with people, it's really easy to overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah. 
And we think that we would never do that with God. And yet, how often do we find ourselves, even in our relationship with Him, over-promising and under-delivering? Uh, I made a statement a few weeks ago when I was teaching the series, We the Church, that's again going to address what Pastor Suzanne said. I keep telling you I'm getting there, and I am. But I was teaching about what the kingdom of God looks like, and when I talk about we the church, I emphasized the point that the church is not the building. The church isn't all the buildings that are called the church put together. The church is we. (laughs) It is you, it is me, it is all of us. Each of us singularly, singularly, and corporately make up what the church actually is. And I made a statement when I was teaching that, and I said, whatever the cost of being the church, it outweighs the risk of not being the church. Whatever the cost of being the church outweighs the risk of not being the church. And you said something. You said that you you miss it, you miss the gathering, and you said, I am a church girl. Could not be more true. Because that literally demonstrates that statement right there. That the church isn't the building we gather in. This is an assembly of churches. But we are the church. You are the church. Thank you for confirming again out of the mouth of another. It's confirmation. We recognize who we are. And when we know that... We literally can change the earth. When we understand who we are, we literally can change the earth. Well said. Well said. So, loving God, I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to ask a question. Loving God is measured in many ways. Measured in our obedience to Him, our honor of Him, how we treat others, and our faithfulness over what He trusts or entrusts to you and me. It's measured in those ways and many others. But considering that last statement, I'm just going to ask both of you a question and uh, give you an opportunity to address this. You guys have been in ministry, clearly, as I said a moment ago, for a long time. How many years total? 37. 37 years. So they've been in ministry for 37 years. That's a long time. And there's no question, none, no one can know you And ever wonder, do you love God? You wear it. You wear it. You exemplify it. You demonstrate it. You sweat it. It is in you. It just comes out of you. So the journey to where you are, I know, obviously, did not come without costs that were associated with it. So here's the question. How would the two of you describe to those listening and watching today, how would you describe the cost of loving God generally getting you to where you are, how would you describe that cost for each of you? I think for me, and when I, take, when I say for me, I'm taking in my personality style and everything, that... I have had to learn, because I'm pretty much very black and white, (laughs) 
It's either truth or it's a lie, and that's the bottom line for me. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn to walk in grace for myself and for others. Mm. And I've had to um, learn to be, for me, laying down, like taking up my cross was being, learning to be quick to forgive. Mm. Because I knew if I was going to stay in the race... Mm. I could not let disappointments, because I, I often don't deal with disappointment well. I'm just being totally honest. You can ask my husband. It's like, but you said. <laughs> but we won't but, ask. <laughs> but, but we were. And, um, and I've had to learn, take up my cross and say, I will be more flexible, Lord, as unto you. Mm. I will be more forgiving, Lord, as unto you. And if I'm going to stay in this race and not carry all this baggage, I'm going to take up the cross that you are asking me to take up. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to lay down the things that would hinder me and prevent me from finishing my race. Mm, So that's, for me, my biggest hurdle was that because I'm such a justice person, was realizing not everything is just. Wow, that's a great statement. And that I have to walk in forgiveness and I have to walk in grace if I'm going to overcome and I'm going to finish my race strong. And I want to finish strong. I don't want to be one who starts off and then quits along the way. And I am not, you know, my personality, you can ask, I think I'm more... um, he thinks I'm kind of a fighter, but I'm not. I think I'm. <laughs> I'm that. St- <laughs> I'm more that steady, stable personality. I'm more like the. You know, I like to undergird. I don't jump out in front and say, "Let me lead. Let me lead." I. But I know that every one of us is a leader by our lifestyle. Right. Right. And that wherever we're going in life, there are people following us and people looking at us and watching us. Mm. And so I feel like for the sake of my church family and my children and my children's children, that to walk in forgiveness and to say, I'm staying in the race no matter what, Lord, that to me was counting my cost. Oh, that's great. Amen. That is well said. Wow. Follow that. (laughs) <laughs> not going to try I'm going to go a different route um, she's a deep thinker that was fantastic and you wouldn't believe how much she puts me through just to get her up on the stage because she has nothing to say <laughs> now I have to follow that now I'm going a different direction for those of you that have been with me to Cuba you've heard some of these stories unfortunately um, but uh, you know when Pastor Steve sent me the theme of this and started talking about the cost um if she's a church girl i guess i'm a church boy (laughs) um but i love the house of god and um i've been in church since i was born and uh grew up in a very religious home um never missed church just didn't know jesus and um but at age eight um the lord showed himself to me in a in an amazing way that changed my life i'm here today sitting on this stage because of an experience in a little nazarene church 
on August the 8th, 1965, that changed my life. The Lord saved me. And he redeemed me. Mm-hmm. And uh, broken home, broken family, um, generational curses. Mm-hmm. I was telling my brother-in-law yesterday that um, I told him some stories about my family that he never knew. And he was just, his eyes were just bucking. I was like, dude, you want to look up the word dysfunction? It's got like my family picture. <laughs> and uh, so anybody that comes, woe is me. You know, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I was like, please, give me a break. <laughs> uh, but... Um, when the Lord saved me uh, at age eight, the next night he called me to preach. Little eight-year-old boy. And, you know, I had the privilege all over Cuba to tell this story. Um, and, uh, and I tell it today from a 63-year-old man that doesn't forget the eight-year-old boy that's on the inside. Mm. And the cost. Um, I was reading an article yesterday by Pastor John Piper, and he was talking about the difference between Christ and Satan, um, and that is that Jesus, right up front, just says, this is the cost. If you're going to follow me, uh, this is what you got to do. You got to take up your cross, uh, mm-hmm. reject and deny and denounce everything else, basically give your heart to me and come follow me. Whereas Satan comes along, and he doesn't, he doesn't tell you about any of the cost. He just shows you all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. The problem is the good stuff's not going to last very long. That's right. And uh, he doesn't tell you about the fine print at the end of the book, uh, at the back of the Bible in the book of Revelations, where he says, if you do and follow me and come after me, he said, then you're going to burn in the lake of uh, fire and hell for eternity. You got you to gotta really search that out in Scripture. But, but, but the Lord just lays it out up front. Before he says, this is what I'll do for you, he said, there's a cost. Right, right. And if you're going to follow me, not be religious, not, I mean, if you're going to follow Christ, uh, the cost is everything. Right, right. So the minute you give everything, uh, then there's nothing left. You don't belong to yourself anymore. I mean, you, you really you have no rights. Because I belong to Christ. Right. And uh, I, I, I have never forgotten where I came from. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's the, one of the joys of the story I told around Cuba was that because in Cuba, I mean, we think we've had it bad for a couple months, church. My gosh. You know, we've been staying home watching Netflix in our <laughs> air-conditioned houses with plenty of food. Last week, I talked to friends in Cuba and one of the sisters was telling me that her brother had gone down to the corner where they got their get, they get their rations with their little food coupon, and he went down to get two pieces of chicken for his whole family. And he got there on a Monday, and he spent six hours, and he moved wow. three steps. Wow. And after three steps, they marked a line, they put their name on a piece of paper, and the next day he came back, got in the same position, and he did that for six days. Wow. And on the sixth day, he finally gave up and went home. No chicken. Wow. No rice, no beans. So, you know, the cost is a, is a relative term based on where you are in the world and what, what you're going through. But, but God has not forsaken any of That's us. That's exactly right. He's not forsaken our Cuban brothers, our Jamaican brothers, our Ugandan brothers, our Chinese brothers, or our American brothers. Right. But if we're going to live for him, then it's got to be settled in your heart 
that I belong to him. Amen. And my life is his. I'm 63. I want to live another 10 or 20 years. I want to, you know, perform weddings for all my 10 grandchildren. I, there's a lot of things I want to do. There's nations I still want to preach in. But my life is not my own. So if the Lord allows me to have that, I'm going to enjoy it. If not, I'm going to be in his presence. You know, it, it's like it, it doesn't get any better. I mean, we win no matter what. Yes, so, right. so the cost, right. even though there is a cost, I'll just say one other real quick story in relation to that. Um, most of you know we're building a new uh, worship center on our north campus in Gainesville. It's going to be done in a couple of weeks, but about a year and a half, two years ago, my son and his partner, business partner, they build um, uh, homes in Gainesville. Uh, we were having breakfast one day, and they said, Dad, Pastor, uh, you just need to get ready. You're going to be beyond shocked at what this new building is going to cost you. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's only double the size of our first building. It can't be but double the price, right? And uh, we built our first building uh, 27 years ago for $29 a square foot. Uh, 14,600 feet. We paid uh, about 486000 or something wow. for that building. Uh, wow. Now we're building a 30,000 square feet building and it's $9 million. Wow. And uh, the cost, wow. $2.5 just to move the dirt. Okay, that doesn't have anything to do with the building. And, and I was just like, I couldn't wrap my head around that. But the reality was we had to count the cost right. before that's we were exactly willing right. to jump in and say, we can do this. Yep. And, uh, and that's our walk with the Lord. Count the cost. Just know this, that whatever the enemy's lying to you about telling you, it's all alive from hell. That's right. Anyhow, and whatever the cost is, really, when you think about it, is it really a cost? Right, right. I mean, sometimes I know he says, take up the cross, follow me. But, but the end result is no matter how I depart this world, I'm going to be in the presence of God right. for eternity. With all the saints of God and all my family that loves him, we're going to be together. Right. And so I'll take that cost any day over the cost of the lie of the enemy. In fact, he even said, he said, sacrifice and offerings I don't even desire. What I want is your worship. I want your obedience. I want you to trust me. I want you to walk with me. And what we would view as sacrifices, what we would view as an offering of our own uh, premonition, our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own way of life, he said, that will pale yes. in comparison to the relationship that we will have if you will stop looking at it like you're giving up something and accept all that you're getting. Because he really does. He wants to pour himself into you and me. I want to bring your attention to the image that's on the screen back here with this man looking over a cliff. And when you see that, I'm not going to give you time to answer, but I am going to ask you a rhetorical question. What do you see when you see this gentleman with a backpack on and he's standing over that cliff and he's looking out and there's these beautiful, gorgeous mountains that are in the background? And, and what do you see? When I first saw that image, I saw, because I love the mountains, I love being out there, I like a challenge. If, if I know it's going to be challenging, I'm going in. I don't want to go in the place where I see the crowd. I want to go in the place where the crowd, that the crowd is avoiding because they're afraid of it. I want to go into that place. And that's what I saw. I see a guy standing on the edge of a cliff. And he's looking out and he's considering, remember that's the strongest word in the English language, that word consider. I have to weigh what I just heard or what I'm about to do. And he's considering, is it worth it? 
I see all that's in front of me. It's available to me. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's God's creation. I own it. I'm in charge of it. I rule it. I reign over it. And he's considering, this is what I see, he's considering, is it worth the cost, the sweat, the time, the energy, the effort? Because every mountain that has an upside, a downside has an upside. To go down it, I first have to go up it. It's the upside where I'm sweating. The downside, I can get on my bahonkis and go on down real easy if I want to. But there's an upside to every downside. And when I saw that, I thought that image so well projected what Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne are saying to us this morning about cost. Because sometimes when we see it, we forget to measure, we forget to stand on the edge and consider the cost of what we're about to enter into. So with that, in, uh, I want to read a scripture in Luke chapter 14. Jesus exhorts us in this particular verse to be aware of cost that is associated with the choices that we make, uh, whether or not we can afford those choices, and what we're getting in return for the investment. So let me read Luke 14, starting with verse 28. It reads like this. For which of you, desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, but was not able to complete it, or was not able to finish it. So, Pastor George, let me start with you. So what is it really that Jesus is trying to say to us here in Luke? And by the way, all the scriptures that I'm using today are statements that Jesus made, and we know that because they're in red, but they're statements that Jesus made except for one, and that will be Paul. Um, Emphasis uh, is important, understanding his heart. So what is it, Pastor George, that Jesus is saying to us in Luke 14, 28 through 30, and how can we honestly count the cost as we begin to build our lives in him well it's a great question and uh you know again the cost would be determined whether you're coming from the right side or the left side for me uh there was a time when it was always about what's it going to cost me now i'm more on the other side what's it going to cost me not to oh great that's great that's great I mean, the reality is that whatever the enemy is trying to get me to counterfeit the best that God has for me, mm. what is that cost? Mm. That, that's, that's, to me, more scary mm. than the cost of just going, I'm going to live for God, period. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for him um, because the end result is... In his presence for eternity. He loved me so much that little eight-year-old dysfunctional boy from a dysfunctional family, you know, on a hot summer, summer in Florida, 1965, I had heard all the sermons and all the stories, but that day, Christ came alive. Mm. And I literally remember as a little boy, with, sitting way back, second to the back row, running down the side aisle, falling on my face and crying like I was the worst sinner in the world. And I was in my mind. 
I had stolen bubble gum <laughs> out of my mama's store, two cent bubble gum, and I was so convicted of that that I was going to burn in hell. Jesus was coming, the oh, rapture was going to take place, <laughs> and I was going to be left behind. I was going to watch my family ascend into heaven, and that bubble gum was going to send me to hell. And uh, I, you know, I grew up in a very strict holiness church, so condemnation, guilt, and all of that was just... And, and so my first 20 years trying to live for God was literally out of guilt. Mm. And the cost was I don't want to go to hell. Okay. And now today I'm on the f other flip side of great. that. I don't ever, I don't ever fear going to hell. I don't ever wake up and go, oh my gosh, my dream last night. That's gonna no. I mean, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the tenderness of God. For those of you that haven't watched the show that's come out, The Chosen. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, I've been telling them. <laughs> It'll reveal Jesus. Yeah. Like I have never known Jesus yeah. in my entire life. Yeah. Jesus smiles. <laughs> Jesus dances at a wedding. Right, right. Jesus has fun with the disciples. Right, right. Man, I've always just seen, woo, you know, baseball bat, serve me or go to hell, you know. And, and, and that's how I kind of lived the first 20 years of my life. But today, I walk with the Lord that, that I'm learning that he delights in me. Mm -hmm. He delights in my worship. He delights in my private time, my quiet time. He, he doesn't delight when I stand up and preach a powerful message that was his in the right, first place. Right, right. He's not impressed with me, you know, right. and, and some of us are way more impressed with us than, than he is. Right. Uh, he's impressed with our heart. Okay. Great. Gifting is his anyhow, but the cost of it really it, for me has come to, it's not a cost that I'm afraid that I can't live out. It, it's, it's the reality of what is the cost if I don't? Mm -hmm. what, it, what is the cost if I, if I, you know, choose to receive deception and lies? And in the latter days of my life, I, if I have one great fear, it's the fear, and Suzanne mentioned this a minute ago, not finishing strong. Mm. I want to finish strong. Yes, yes. You know? I just want to, I want to hear well done. Right, right. I want to I leave this world spent. No energy left, no money left, no nothing left. Everything that God entrusted in my care to do for him, I've spent it out. Mm. And it, it's just time to go because there's nothing left. The, 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 the other side of that is just, you know, it's like the difference between love and lust. Mm -hmm. Love is all about giving. And lust is all about what can you do to meet my need. Mm. And, and that's the great deception of the world that we live in. And what people call love is lust. And, and um, so the, the pressing in to just go, what is the cost for me? Uh, what is the Lord really requiring? He, he's just wanting us to surrender. He's already paid the price. Right, the cost right, has already been right, paid. Right, I mean, it really has. Right. You think about it. It's right. his mercy that endures in my life that reached right. out and, and touched me when I was lost. It's his grace that pulled me out of a miry pit. It, it's his goodness that reached down. And, and he already paid the price. What I got to do is just, just receive that. And then, man, just breathe in the life of God and walk in the fullness of that. So. I thought he was about to bust out in song. He brought me out of the miry clay. That was well said, well said.
And I, you made me think of a scene in that movie, The Chosen, where um, I loved. It was one of my favorite scenes. I might have even mentioned it last week. And, and if I did, I'm not apologizing. It's worth saying twice. Um, but at the wedding in Canaan, when he goes and he walks in there and all they have left are empty barrels, wine barrels, but they have full water pots. And he walks in there and tells everyone, excuses himself, or excuses them. And he walks over and he leans on this barrel. And he just puts his hands on that barrel. And he said, Father. And you know, the pause that they included in that show was important to the moment. And he says, Father. What we don't hear, we hear him say, Father. What we don't hear is his mind saying, I'm about to enter in to a high cost situation. He says, Father, I'm ready. And everything changes. Water becomes wine. Miracles begin to take place. Lives begin to change. And people begin to kill each other. And they're looking for ways to... He realized in that moment exactly what you're just saying. He just, he's, okay, there's a building about to be built. It's called the kingdom. And he said, Father, I understand the cost. I have weighed it in the balance. And I'm ready. And then in Luke 14.33, Pastor Suzanne, I'm going to ask you a question following this verse. It's maybe a little tougher question. I apologize for that. But... Um, <laughs> In Luke 14.33, following what Pastor George said, it says this. It says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's such an interesting verse. Interesting statement. Because you can read into it. We can satisfy ourselves with our own interpretation. And we can measure that with our own interpretation so that it costs us more or less. But again, it says, So therefore, any one of you, Jesus said, who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. What is it, Pastor Suzanne, what is it suggesting when it says that, that the cost of loving God is to have no possessions? How do I rationalize that how do we rationalize that in our minds and our hearts that I can have nothing? I renounce all I have. Well, I'm just going to tell you what I feel like Holy Spirit has revealed to me about that. I believe it's like what he said earlier. One, th- one is that it all belongs to God. Mm. All of our possessions, all of it's our good. relationships. It's good. They belong to him. And we have to be willing to release control That's great. over that. He's, he's saying, well, I want to know that your heart is after me first. It's not after your possessions. It's not you're not going to spend your life trying to make money. I will bless you if you seek me first. That's great. I will bless your relationships if you seek me first. I believe that's what the Lord is saying there. That's and great. that if ever there comes a time when he's saying, you need to give this up, this possession, 
or you might need to give up this, be willing to give up this relationship because it's not good for you. It's not God honoring mm-hmm. right, right. that you're willing to do that, that he is first, your first love yes. always. Yeah. I don't believe he's saying you can never own a car, you can never have a best friend, whatever. I believe he's saying, remember, I have to be first. Mm. I am a jealous God. That's great. And I have to be first in your life. And you have to be willing to trust me with your possessions, with your money, with your relationships, with everything that I've placed within your hand, even to do... Can you trust me with it and put me first? That's great. And I love that because when you, if you can get a visual of what she's saying here, if you, can get, if you can see it and not just hear it, because it's not that you lose what you possess, it's that you now trust him to do more yeah. with what you had than you could do yourself. Right. And, right. He, and he has the ability, that's perfectly put because he has he his heart his passion is not that you have nothing it's that what you do have has his thumbprint on it has his anointing on it and and that's what he wants that great 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 answer so I want to say to you that are watching online those that are in this house most of them in this building uh, I'm I know and I know their walk but many of you most of you online I've never met I hope to one day But I want to encourage you today, as you're listening to what each of these pastors are saying today, I I encourage you to lay hold of it. Um, Don't look past it, um, because ultimately, with the answers that are forthcoming still, ultimately, God is for you. He is for you in every way, and He's not trying to find a way to make you nothing. He just doesn't want you to be something on your own. He wants you to be great in Him. So that's what he's after, and that's what we're talking about today. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Jesus then told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Pastor George, I want to ask you a question related to that. But before I ask you this question... I want to, again, take us back to a series that I taught some time ago, uh, Walking with a King. And when I talked about that, uh, I love when I watched The Chosen last month. I uh, love that show because it really confirmed and verified what I had been teaching during that series. And I think what gets lost in our Christian world, in our believer world, I don't even like to use the word Christian, I prefer believer, but what gets lost in that world often is we think that every disciple or every man that Jesus went to and said, take up your cross and follow me. We in our world, we think, oh, all those guys, they loved him. They just thought he was the coolest thing since sliced bread. We think that. It's easy to assume that. The reality of it is only one disciple that we know of was even in any kind of relationship with God. Only one. So 11 other men he walked up to at a tax collector's table, at a doctor's office, wherever they were, he walked up to them, saw no guile, saw possibility, saw a vision, saw a dream, saw a confidence, saw an ability, saw someone willing to see in someone else more than they see in themselves. And he looked at them and he said, Matthew, follow me. Mark, follow me. These guys, while there may have been some measure of relationship with God by law, 
They gave up everything. And he said, follow me. Man, they walked away from a table. They walked away from a place, from families, because they saw there's something in this guy that whatever I had is about to pale in comparison to what it's about to become because I have relationship with him, even if I don't get it. And I say all that because some of you right now, you might be watching, you might be in here, and you're trying to weigh, do I, why would I even want to know this Christ guy? Because I'm telling you, what's in him is way greater, so much greater than whatever you think you possess. So much greater. So, again, in Matthew 16, Pastor George, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In what ways is this verse misrepresented? And what does it mean to take up our cross and deny self? What does that look like? Deep question, because I don't think anybody can answer what it means to take up the cross for them except them. I can't tell you what it means to take up the cross for you. It's good. It's good. Pastor Steve can't tell Kim. That's right. Kim can't tell Steve. She tries. I know. <laughs> but she can't. Listen, we can't, even tell it. we can't even tell our children. Because my, my cross was different than Suzanne's cross. And again, going back to the chosen, I love in the story where... Andrew comes and he finds his brother Simon. He says, hey, we have found the Messiah. Yep. And, and, you know, Simon doesn't have time for it. So Jesus reveals himself to Simon where Simon was, not where Andrew was, not where Matthew was, not where Thomas was, mm. but where Simon was. Mm. And where was Simon? Oh, that's good. He's doing what he does. He's fishing. Now, I've been with Pastor Steve and caught nothing. Come on, man. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying I have yet to go with Pastor Steve and catch one of those things he's got hanging in his office. I'm just saying. I don't like to fish. I like to catch. I am not a patient man. I do not have time to be eight hours and catch nothing. And so Jesus comes to Simon, and man, Simon has been in a battle all night. Y'all know the story. He's been by himself. He's counting the cause. He's about to lose it. He's going to lose his wife. He's going to lose his home. He's going to lose everything. And Jesus comes and says, <laughs> why don't you throw it on the other side? And man, I, lo I love the way they made that story yes. just come alive. Yes, they did. And he's like, he's just looking at this guy. But Jesus looked him in the eyes. And when Jesus looks you in the eye and says, this is your cost. That cost is for no one else. That's your cost. And man, when Jesus looked in the eyes of Simon, I don't know why I did it. But I decided to cast on the other side. Now, I want to go on one of those fishing trips. Come on, somebody. My goodness. Man, the boat starts sinking. The fish are just unbelievable. I can sink a boat. I can see, see, can see the boat. I just haven't seen the fish. But hear me. Why did Jesus give Peter all those fish? 
because that's what was in the heart of Peter. Mm. He's a fisherman. Mm-hmm. That's great. He's about to launch on a brand new, you know, fishing uh, adventure like nothing before. All I need is a word cast on the other side. Mm. And every time I come in, I'm going I'm to be, I'm going to need boats helping me. Mm. That's not what Jesus was doing. He was giving Simon a taste. That's right. Of success like he had never known before. Mm. And then he said, I'm going to make you a fisherman. Yep. Come follow me. Wow. What was Peter's cost? That boy loved to catch fish. Yes, he did. And yet he had just caught the biggest mother load ever. And the Lord said, it's nothing compared to what I have. It's great. I believe Peter could have stayed fishing. And I don't believe the Lord would have judged him. Right. I agree. Just like later on in the story, you get to Nicodemus. Oh, my gosh. That was powerful. Man, that ripped me to shreds. I'm bawling. I have watched that one episode three times <laughs> to watch him embrace Nic- Nicodemus yep. and say, Nicodemus, I want you to come follow me. That's great. And then in that last episode, Nicodemus is standing around on the other side of the building, and they're about to depart into their adventure of following Christ. Mm. And Jesus says, is there anyone else? Are we missing anyone? Nicodemus is around the corner, and he's weeping. Mm. <laughs> wow. And Jesus said, you were so close. Yeah. Yeah. Hear me, church. You don't want to get so close Ooh. without taking up your cross. Mm. Mm. You see, whatever your cross is, nobody else can tell you what that is. That's We're not up here today as experts on telling everybody what their cross is. Right, right. Man, I'm 63. I'm still trying to figure out what my cross mm. fully is. But whatever it is, I don't want to be so close right. and miss it. That's a great word. That is a... Ooh. Well, think about that for a second. And then the last question, Pastor Suzanne, that I want to ask today uh, is of you. And um, let, me, let me back up and go back to something that Pastor George said. When he, he pointed out how... Simon was catching fish, and then he changed it. You'll be catching men, fisher of men. I think it's interesting. I thought the thought that went through my mind because of what you said was, he didn't change that he was catching. He just changed the subject of the catch. And the subject of the catch was so much better. So much better. So I had to get that out there. So... Jesus says, following up that verse in Matthew 10.38, he says, and whoever does not take up his cross, as Pastor George addressed, and follow me, is just not worthy of me. He said, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So considering the discussion that we've had today, is the cost for loving God ever too high? And what would you say to the one that thinks it just might be? I would have to say that if if this earth is all that you live for, the cost is too high. Mm. Mm. 
But if we really, truly believe there is eternity at stake, mm-hmm. the cost is nothing. That's great. That's great. And that's, I think, you know, as we get older, we realize more and more that this temporary, we're just traveling through. Mm. And we are learning more and more to yearn for his appearing. And I'll have to say, I get up in the morning when I have my devotions. I spend that time searching my heart. Whatever I'm reading in the word for that day or a devotional I'm reading, I say, Lord, help me count the cost Mm -hmm. of obeying this word. Help me apply this. Right. What are you saying to me personally? I think that yeah. is saying, Lord, I value you more. Mm. I choose to take up my cross and follow you today, whether it means I'm going to do better at loving my husband, <laughs> I'm going to do better at loving my children, I'm going to, I'm going to, only because, Lord, only you can do it in me and through right, me. Right, right, I can't do it on my own. I bow down at your feet, Jesus, yeah, and yeah. I say, Lord, do it through Amen. me. Yeah. In the meantime, it might be a little painful sometimes keeping my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. But it's worth the cost. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Every you know, time. for the prize that is set before Amen. me. Amen. It is worth Amen. the cost. Amen. Amen. Well said. The, I think, uh, again, you remind me of something uh, also. There's two atoms. There was the first atom that was all natural. And then there's the second atom that's all spirit. And he traveled through... The interesting thing about the second Adam, which is Christ, we know that in Scripture, but he traveled through the first Adam to become the second. He didn't become the second Adam until he was resurrected. Between the time that he came out of Mary and came, then came out of the tomb, for those years, he dwelt, dwelt in the first Adam body. He showed us, you and me, that though we exist in a first Adam body, we are traveling through it into a second Adam life. We really, really have to grasp what both Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne have shared with us this morning as we begin to talk about the cost. And for everybody in this room, you're watching online today, I hope you can grasp this because it's worth it. It's worth it. And when you hear and you some, there's there's so many different perspectives that you can have, and I'm, I'm wrapping this up, but there's so many different perspectives that you can have as you watch today. And you can say, it's too much, I've been there, I've done that, didn't work out for me, but I'm gonna tell you something. You're watching for a reason. You may be asking yourself, why am I watching? Why am I listening if this is a month down the road and you're listening to the podcast? Why am I participating in this word? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's a second Adam 
desiring to come alive in you. He wants to be alive in you and he's trying to awaken that first Adam. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I'm telling you today, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter how high we think the cost is, how hard or how easy it might seem to us, I want to tell you today, walking with the Father, being in relationship with Him, is worth it all. It is worth it all. I want to read this last verse in 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says, And He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and then was raised. So let's wrap it up with this final question and either of you or both of you can answer. So for our sake he died and was raised. So how can everyone that's watching, listening, however they're tuned in today, how can they lay hold of that statement and then grasp the magnitude of that statement? I'm just going to say this one simple statement. Actually, we read this this morning, but the word says we were created by him and for him. Mm. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. We were created by him and for him. Amen. To glorify him. Yes. And um, I, I, I was 12 when I gave my heart to the Lord. And I, it is, I can remember it like, it was the wow. most glorious experience. Wow. I had always served in, I mean, as I got older, they were pulling me into the children's ministry to help, okay? And then one day, somebody said, you need to go sit out in big church. And I was like, well, okay. And I, I mean, I, was, I just thought I loved Jesus anyway, but I had never really said well, let me explain first. So I go out in big church, and that Sunday my pastor preached. I don't know what he preached. All I know is I went home and all week thought about this. I'm a sinner. Hmm. I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. Hmm. I need a Savior. This is 12. Wow. I have been a good girl as far as I can remember. You know, I was pretty obedient as a kid, okay? I liked pleasing my parents. It doesn't matter that every 12-year-old thinks but, they're perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I, the next Saturday morning, my parents went to the grocery store together, left me home by myself, and I remember going into the living room, and I, I felt a tug on my heart. And I'm saying this because somebody out there is feeling a tug on their heart. It's good. And I got down in my little living room. I remember we had a naugahyde sofa. Do y'all even know what that is? You're so young. Uh, yeah, That's like fake leather. Say that again. Okay, fake leather, <laughs> naugahyde. And so young. <laughs> I got down, because I can picture it in my mind. And I got down and I went, Jesus, I need you. I need a savior. I'm so lost. And the glory of God just filled the room I wept, and I wept, and I wept, and I laughed, and I cried, Mm. and I laughed, and I just felt, you would have thought, I mean, this burden of sin lifted off of my Mm -hmm. life. Yes. And from that point on, I've never forgotten that moment Mm. when that burden of sin 
and I went from death to Ooh. life. Yes, yes. In that yes. moment. And I've never forgotten that redeeming moment, wow, that great. redeeming grace yeah. moment. That's great. When I was saved mm. and um, given a real reason to live beyond myself. That is great. Thank so, you. That's all I want to share. I would just say that wherever you are on your journey, the Lord has paid the price. Yeah. Yes, he has. And now he's asking you to buy into the fullness mm-hmm. of his love, his mercy, his redemption. He paid a price for a debt he did not owe. We owe a debt that we cannot pay. And so the only way to be free of the debt mm-hmm. of sin is through the person of Jesus Christ. That's right. You surrender heart, soul, mind. But I don't care how long you've been in church. It's about do you know him? Right, that's right. Does he know you? Because you have surrendered. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. So with that, if you are watching today, you might be in this room today, but if you are watching, I want, you, I want to pray with you, every single viewer, every single person that's here today. Wherever you are, whatever your background, whatever your culture might be, whatever country you might be in, I don't know what the rules and regulations are where you are. What I do know is that it doesn't matter because God does not recognize borders. He does not recognize the lines. And wherever you are, the Jesus Christ that redeemed us in the same way hungers and longs to redeem you. Today, your first The first price you're going to pay is really not a big one in so many ways. It's simply recognizing. Father, as Pastor Suzanne said, I repent. I recognize that I am absent you. So Father, I lift my voice over the people that are watching online and the people that are in this house. And I pray today that you, in the way that only you and Holy Spirit can do, I pray that you will visit every watcher and every listener, whether they are live today or it is down the road and it's recorded. I pray that you will visit them in the place that they find themselves right now. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will cause them to reflect and recognize that no matter what level of life they feel they have attained to, Father, it comes up short of what it will be when they receive you. And I pray today that you forgive them and you will when they repent, you forgive. And I declare over you today, you have the courage, you have the strength, you have the faith to move past where you are today and embrace the kingdom of God that has been released to you and me. Let it be, let it be, let it be in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together. So would you put your hands together again this morning and would you bless Pastors George and Suzanne. I want to again say to both of you what a joy and a privilege it is to have you with us. And can I brag on, uh, say something about you that might embarrass you and I don't mean to do it this way, but you know when I think about the two of these people and what they have done, 
these, the two of these, these two people. Let's get, let's get our English corrected first. I was doing that for those who aren't watching in America. The, um, but uh, when you think about these two incredible people that love God with everything in them, and they demonstrate that, um, sometimes it just isn't easy. I know of Pastor George's background. I know a little bit of Pastor Suzanne's. But in Pastor George's background, man, it's a scattered... Uh, kudzu vine his whole situation and his life and he ended up going back to a place he never wanted to go back to and it was and yet to do that and he would tell the story much better than I am but it would take him a lot longer Um, (laughs) but God called him back to the place he never wanted to go to and used him in a miraculous way to raise up an incredible people that we're so thankful have lent them to us today, but have used both of these two to change, literally, a city. And they are doing it every single day. And to see where the Father brought them and, and hear His voice, I wasn't with Him, but I can hear Him when He tells His story, I don't want to go there, I don't want to go there, I don't want to go there, and yet I'm going there. I'm traveling through the first Adam into the second. And he did that, and look what the Father has done. And then, Pastor Suzanne, what you don't know about her, is it your uncles that are all these folk, Mickey Gilley and Jerry Lee Lewis and who else? Jimmy Swagger. Jimmy Swagger. Those are her uncles. And I only say that because in like way with Pastor George, when you think about the paths that all of those men took, I wouldn't say in every way honored God. I'm just trying to be gracious. And so the heritage is there to make, and all of us have a heritage like that, but hers has been lived out in the open. Her heritage has been very public, and yet to come to the place where two of you come to a city called Gainesville, Florida, And really, you lay it all on the line. You didn't come there saying, come to our church because these are my uncles. You didn't come there saying, come to our church because um, God is doing a miracle in me and brought me back to where I came from. You went there because He said go. And you said, none of those other things matter, but I'm going to honor Him. I bless you today. I thank you for leading a charge. I thank you for being leaders. And I've drawn from them. What you need to know is over the years, my wife and I have drawn from them in so many, so many ways. We've gleaned from them. He's a voice. They've been a voice in our lives since literally we didn't even have our first service yet. And they they were already beginning by word and spirit to be a voice into us. And I'm so thankful uh, for what you do and who you are. I bless you today. I love you today. As always, you are amazing. I'm going to have...